0: well good morning Uh, it is good to see you this morning glad to see that you have uh, fought against the elements and have come out so many Baptists did less than that this morning I'm afraid Uh, but you have not and it is great to see a full house and having to pull out chairs um, on a rainy day Uh, that just doesn't happen too terribly often Uh, if you have your Bible this morning, if you'll turn to the book of Galatians, uh, have you turned there to chapter 5? I want to mention a couple of things uh, to kind of reinforce some of the things that were said uh, this morning. Uh, this is, to me, a, a potentially a great week in the life of our church. And I I say that because uh, we have the opportunity this weekend, one, to welcome a number of guests uh, into our church, both as uh, those who are coming to to preach uh, to us and uh, those who will be visiting with us. But it's, it's great in the aspect of we, as the people of God, are in constant need of awakening uh, it is very simple for us to fall asleep and to kinda ignore what's going on around us uh, it's really easy on a morning like tomorrow morning when it is or this morning when it is cold and damp and dreary and I hope you don't fall asleep but Uh, spiritually speaking it is easy for us to become numb to what is going on in our lives Uh, it is easy for us to get into a routine where we are just simply going through the motions Uh, it's also very easy for us to become numb to what is going on outside of our lives Uh, I think we do this because frankly When you turn on the news and you pick up the newspaper, you see that things are not going real well. Uh, We see the hardship that people are facing. We see the difficulties that are going on in the families of those we love, and I think it is easy to become so numb to it that we just kind of fall asleep and let it go. And my hope is that this week, Not just next weekend, but this week will be a time when God would prick our hearts and awaken us to the things in our life that we need to deal with and the things that are going on around us. The people who are hurting that we can reach out to. And so I hope you'll come tonight uh, to the prayer uh, time for our revival. We will be praying intentionally for that, uh, but also... I hope you'll be here next weekend. Um, I hope you invite somebody, that's important. I I hope you'll bring somebody, but most importantly, I hope you'll be here. Uh, Because I think there are, um, there'll be a total of seven sermons, at least, preached from this stage next weekend. Um, And I think it's going to be a time of Refreshing. And uh, renewal next sunday morning uh during this time uh, dr mcdonald uh, who's on our list and be speaking sunday night will be preaching for us on sunday morning um one of my favorite preachers uh he is he is powerful now he's not going to get up here and stomp and spit as you probably imagine that's not really my favorite type of preaching but he is going to take god's word and he is going to impress upon us uh, some needs that we have so I hope you'll keep that in mind. I also want to mention too, we talked about this morning about Michelle Towns, and some of the things that you have opportunities to participate in for her. I wanted to share with you how impressed I remain about the fact that even though she is a very sick person, and most people with her level of illness would basically just be trying to get better and that would be the total focus of their life. Uh, She is here each and every day serving you on your staff as a daycare worker, uh, going through tremendous pain, and she does it out of love for this church, I know specifically, and more importantly, I think, for the children uh, that we serve. Uh, our daycare has the opportunity to be a great ministry if we'll use it as such. And Michelle is one of those who, uh, to be quite honest with you, sees it as a ministry and ministers to children every day, uh, even though she is facing uh, very difficult days ahead. So I encourage you, if you get a chance to go eat at Granny's, uh, that you do that, that you come eat next Saturday night. You've got to eat anyways. You've got to be at church next Saturday night anyways. Is Raven Revival, and uh, um, also T-shirts, uh, very nicely designed by uh, Mr. Duckworth for us, and they they look fantastic. And uh, two dollars for every shirt that we sell is going to go to help Michelle with her medical insurance, uh, because that's really one of the greatest needs she has right now, is to keep that going. And so I hope you'll consider that. Galatians. Chapter Five. I told my wife last night that this sermon is about six hours long, so I'm going to condense it. Obviously, uh, this is one of those texts that honestly we could spend the rest of the year on Sunday mornings looking at just the text from this morning and really still be scratching the surface. And that's unfortunate um, that we we don't have the time to do that. Um, But we've got what we've got. So let's look at it this morning. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. I invite you, if you would, this morning to stand with me as God's word is read. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. And I'm going to read this morning through the end of the book. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then let us, as we have opportunity, do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they deceive you to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And as for all who walk in this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. You may be seated. I hope this morning the Lord will add to the reading and the hearing of his word. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Think about this fact, as it were. The thing that controls your heart will be the thing that is evident in your life. The thing that controls your heart will be the thing that is evident in your life. Now you may say, well, I'm pretty exciting things. I'm pretty good at hiding what is truly in my heart. I can make the things in my life evidenced otherwise. That may be true for a time, but I don't believe this morning that you and I can truly hide what is in our heart. We cannot truly hide the desires of our heart because our heart is either controlled by the Spirit or it is controlled by the flesh. And these are contrasting things that, that do not allow themselves over time to be covered up. We can't put on a false morality and somehow make ourselves look better. Not over time. Maybe in an instant, but, but not over time. See, what has happened in the church of the Galatians has made this very evident. What has been going on in their heart has, in time, put itself forward in their actions. Their heart was influenced by the flesh, and so when these false teachers came along, they, they kind of just set in motion things that already were. so often we see this in the actions of people we we see people that are seemingly good and then something happens we see something evident in their life and it it seems to be out of character and on some occasions it is but I think for the most part what happens is the controlling force in their heart eventually comes out it eventually makes itself Known. And so either they are controlled by the flesh or they are controlled by the spirit. This morning I want us to look at what does it look like? What does it look like in reality when our hearts are controlled either by the flesh or by the spirit? Before we do that, we've got to look at what Paul says first. He says, first. First, verses 16 and 17, that you have to walk by one or the other. We we don't walk by both. It just simply doesn't work that way. He says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 16. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They fight against each other. Now, I think you and I have all been in situations where we felt this tension. We felt this fighting going on in our hearts. On one hand, our heart is drawn heavily toward the things of the flesh. We live in a fallen world. We are a fallen people. We have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And that desire pulls us toward the things of the flesh. And it pulls day and night. You see on their fits of anger of this morning I got here to church we ate breakfast I went upstairs to print off my sermon which I had emailed myself and it was not there it's par for the course for me that's not enough to get mad about so I come down the steps I walk through the gym I walk to my house I walk up to the door and it is locked and the keys are in the door to my office So I had to walk back in the rain and get the keys and then walk back to the house and then print it off and walk back to my office and and print, I emailed it to myself and I printed it off. Fits of anger in my heart. Mad at myself. Mad that we live in a fallen world where we have to lock doors to houses and offices. We shouldn't need keys, but we do. The flesh attacks us even on Sunday mornings before church is going to start. But he says in contrast to that is a life that is controlled by the Spirit. Is the Spirit evident in our life? Is it there and present? Do we see its fruit? He says we've got to have one or the other controlling our life. They're going to fight against each other. They're going to be at tension with each other. He says it's going to make us do the things we don't want to do, or keep us from doing the things we want to do. can't have it both ways. It can't be both ways. You know, We we live in a world that tells us that we can do anything we want to do and be anything we want to be, but the reality is we either are controlled by the Spirit that is the force that dominates our heart and will become evident in our life, or we continue to remain under the law of the flesh. We continue to be guided by that. So I want you to understand from this that we can't have both. Now, I hope that I'm being led by the Spirit, though I'm dealing with anger from not having my keys. And worse. But what is our heart controlled by? Well, let's look at these characteristics. And I don't want to go through each and every one. Some of them are more self-explanatory than others. But I think they make a lot of sense. We we see these and know these in our hearts. Hearts. He says sexual immorality. We understand that. Not a lot of explaining to do. God has created us, He has made us, and He has called us to be fruitful. But when we take that and abuse it, it's not a sign of something that God has done, but it's like we do with so many things God has made, we have taken it and corrupted it. He says impurity, sensuality, and this one is, it takes it further than this. When he talks about sensuality, he is talking about giving oneself over to sexual sin with no regard to the consequences. With no care about what's going on. He says that's a sign of the flesh He says, idolatry? Friends, we live in the most idolatrous society that there may have ever been. And that may seem strange to you because if you go to the Old Testament and you read about these enemies of God, they had made to themselves images that they put up and they worshipped. And you say, well, we we don't have that. Friends, we worship things far worse. The society we live in worships things that are no God. You can't be led by the Spirit. You can't have the Spirit in control of your life and worship things other than God. Friends, we worship our money. We worship our jobs. We worship our movie stars and our athletes. We worship at their altar. We, our society doesn't even pretend like they are gods somewhere out there that can't be seen where we have to make an image to them. We take their picture and we worship it. It's not a sign of the Spirit. He says, sorcery, here's an interesting word. This is not simply talking about witchcraft, but this is the word that we get our, or this Greek word is where we get our word pharmacy from. He is talking here primarily about drugs. Now how interesting that this is written 2,000 years ago and they were having a problem with drugs. Do you know the main drug problem that Paul is writing about? It's a drug that people were taking and using to cause an abortion to happen. You thought that was a new thing that just happened? Paul is dealing with it in his day. They were taking drugs so that they would not have to deal with having a baby. And Paul says that is a sign of the flesh. God is for life. Paul says here that death is a desire of the flesh. If you look at the next eight here in a row, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, and envy, eight straight things that talk about the breakdown of relationships. Paul says if you have a problem in relationships whether it is from between you and a significant other, whether it is between you and your parents, you and your children, strife and anger and jealousy, where does that come from? It's rooted in the flesh. It's rooted in our sinful desires. I'm always amazed at The number of people who claim they are believers in Christ, but they could not love another human being if they had a gun to their head. They're the most hate-filled people you will ever meet, but claim Christ. Friends, that is impossible. It simply is impossible. You can't say, well, I'm not a people person. Because what Paul says is these things happen because your heart is controlled by the flesh. He finishes out with drunkenness and orgies. He says drunkenness is an obvious sign of the flesh. And here he's talking about not just drinking, but Paul has in mind here the idea of drunken parties he has in mind here this idea of people being corrupted together they have broken relationships but if they get drunk they can stand to be around each other but the things they do when they're there are not a sign of god working in their heart but rather are a clear sign of the flesh working He says, that, he says that these things are evident. They are easy to see. See, he doesn't give us a big mystery. He, he doesn't give us this thing where we've got to fit together this puzzle and try to figure out exactly what it is that we're doing right or wrong. That was the law, right? Right? You never could know if you're exactly doing what you're supposed to. Because it was, it was so nitpicky, if you will. It's because God is so holy, and there's so much we can do to be unholy. But he says, these things aren't like that. These things are evident. When we're a believer in Christ, we can see that, right? We see what happens in the world. We see the destruction of relationships. We see the pain and suffering that people are going through and it breaks our heart. And when we begin to fall into those things, our hearts go from broken to pricked and crushed and convicted. He says, I've warned you about these things before. We've been delivered from bondage, these things should not be present. He says, those, verse 21, who do these things do not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying if you have messed up before in your life, you you can't inherit God's kingdom. Because then we're all out of luck. But if these things are where our heart's desire are, We've got no hope. Because the Spirit of God does not bring these things forth in the life of a believer. He doesn't create these things in us. As a matter of fact, the Spirit is fighting these things constantly. He says, but. But, verse 22, those are the things of the flesh, but this is the fruit of the flesh. Of the Spirit. Now it's not the fruits of the Spirit. There is not a bunch of different things, and if we can find one of these things where it really fits us and we can jump into it, then we're going to be okay. He says this is what the Spirit does in our life. He says the Spirit creates this inseparable group love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. He says this is what the Spirit creates. He says the first is love. If you think about it, love is the opposite of those eight things that are destroying our relationship. Everything comes out of love. Love is not even a first among equals. He doesn't just list it first because, okay, it's a little bit greater than everything else. It's because love is the foundation for everything else. If you don't have love, don't even worry about going down the rest of the list. The rest of the list doesn't matter. If you have no peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or self-control, don't worry about love. Don't, don't, try, to, don't try to say, well, I can do this or that, but I, I, I'm not going to love people. And I'm not just talking about easy people to love. Easy people to love are, are easy. You know, it's it's kind of like a puppy. You know, puppies are easy to love. Like for some reason, maybe it'd be better to say babies are easy to love. Teenagers are harder, right? They're the same person. Y'all can just tune out for a second. I'll talk about old people later, and y'all can feel better. But right, babies are real easy to love. And babies do some, some nasty stuff. And babies are annoying. They like cry at night. What time was it? Last night? Four o'clock in the morning? Something like that? I'm scared. I'm ready to go get a gun. I figure it's a church member at four o'clock. Oh, come on. Yeah, I need a gun. <laughs> I told y'all, not at four o'clock. Um, what do I hear? I need my passy. I need, And I'm in bed, half asleep. Rachel gets up, opens the door, and that's the first thing I hear him jump the door. I need my passy. I need my passy. Now that's annoying. <laughs> but but I, wanna, I wanted to sleep, right? But now when she gets to be a teenager, Four o'clock in the morning, somebody is grounded, their car keys are gone, their license are cut up, their debit card is shredded, all of it, it's done. Love is like that, right? Some people are easy to love, some people are really hard. They ask Jesus, who should we love? He says, the neighbor, who's my neighbor? And he gives the example where the neighbor is the most vile, hated person he could imagine. So don't give me, well, I love people when you love everybody that looks like you and acts like you and does what you want. Love is loving the people who hate you. Real love is showing affection to the person who would spit in your face. Love is talking to terrorists about Jesus. That's love. So like if you thought it was something else, it's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about what you're thinking about. He's talking about what I'm saying. He's talking about really loving people. If you can love people, then these other things are going to happen. If you don't love people, then don't worry about the rest of it. you got to get the first thing right to begin with. Without Christ, we can't know love because love only exists in Christ. Love was created by God why I would tell you that in the world, relationships are always going to crumble and break down because they don't really love each other. They, it doesn't matter who it is. They could be the sweetest grandparents who have been together for 75 years, but if they don't know Jesus, they don't really love each other. They like each other, they can stand each other, but love only comes from God. And friends, when people in the world do not see us as believers loving each other, they stumble. You hear all the time, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. It's like, well, I could probably point out hypocrites that don't go to church too. I'm pretty sure about that. But what they are saying, beyond hypocrites and all this stuff, what they're saying is they haven't seen us love each other. They haven't seen us as the people of God love each other. So if we don't love each other, how are we going to love them? And that's what they desperately want because they are living in a world with no love. They've never experienced love. They've got a yearning for it. God has placed it in their heart. And unless they see us doing it to each other, they're just, they're never going to listen. They're always going to stumble. They're never going to know what it is. So we got to start out with love. And Paul says, if the if the spirit has control of your heart, love is going to be there. He says peace. Well, sorry, go back. He says joy. Joy is not something that requires pleasant circumstances. Joy does not mean being happy. We need to be very clear about that. We're talking earlier throughout this morning about Michelle from the daycare. Someone with joy, very evident, she has it. It's not going through pleasant circumstances. Got to be times where she is unhappy, but she has joy. Huge difference, because our Christian brothers and sisters all over the world go to their deaths each and every day with joy, but not necessarily happy. We need to keep that in mind whatever circumstance we face we can have joy in Christ go down with me a little bit goodness goodness is about being generous in Christ's name because you would look at us and you realize that we're not we're not good I mean we understand that from a theological standpoint we are sinful from a practical standpoint we are sinful we mess up we fall short of God's glory But goodness is about being generous in Christ's name. If you're not generous, if your motto is, when I go out to eat, if my tea glass doesn't stay filled, I will not tip, that means you are not generous. The Spirit brings forth generosity in Christ's name. If your motto is, I don't help bums, because all bums do is spend their money on alcohol, you're probably right. That does happen a lot of the time. But God calls us to be generous. If you see the work of the ministry going on, and you have no desire to be a part of it, you should ask yourself, why am I not being generous? God has blessed each and every one of us in this room greatly. You may say, well, some people got more than I do. That's right. But some people have much less. The majority of the world is poorer than you are. Probably 95 to 98% of the world is poorer than you are. God has blessed us richly. And one of his characteristics is our goodness, our generosity in Christ. He says, faithfulness and gentleness. Gentleness is not weakness. When us manly men like myself, I appreciate that smile, that was nice. I didn't get enough laughs, so the smile's good enough. When we see gentleness, that is not the way we work, right? Like we would rather have sledgehammers hitting a car at the Eichard Spring Fling. If you didn't do that, it was awesome. I put a hole in the hood, by the way, that's mine. That doesn't seem like gentleness, Right? That, that doesn't seem like what we would define as gentleness. But gentleness is not weakness. It's the fact that we are mighty in God. But we are in control. We are powerful in Christ Jesus. But we're in control of that. We don't go out crazy. That we don't go around condemning each and every person that we come up to who we don't think meet our standard. But rather we have spiritual power and remain in control of that power. That's gentleness. Gentleness is having all of this that God has given us and the ability to sit down and explain it to a child. It's to see somebody who we vehemently disagree with and be able to show them love and compassion. Friends, if you think you're too manly for that, then you're not very manly at all. Because what a great example of gentleness we find in Christ, who for the joy set before him went to the cross. And he went there and suffered and he kept his mouth closed. And yet if you read Revelation 1, he is the conquering king who will return again in power. There is gentleness. And he closes with self-control. He says it's it's absurd that if we it's absurd that we think that there is a situation that we can live in where we're not led by the Spirit. It's very interesting. Look in verse 25. He says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So they're facing the choice. Do we live by the flesh or do we live by the Spirit? Do we walk in the flesh or do we walk by the Spirit? He says, The Spirit has made you alive. It's kind of a rhetorical question. If If the Spirit has made you alive, well, obviously the Spirit has made us alive. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit gives us eternal life. Then why would we walk some other way? Some of you got previewed to this on Facebook this morning. But it's kind of like if you're a Panthers fan. Why would you wear a Falcons jersey? It wouldn't happen, right? Or if you're a vegetarian, diehard vegetarian, we pray for you all the time don't understand your mind, but some people do that. Why would you go eat a hamburger? Like, like isn't that foreign? Isn't it foreign? If you're a vegetarian and I only eat plants and don't drink milk, or that's a vegan or something, but I, uh, I'm gonna go eat a hamburger. It's like a politician telling the truth. It's foreign. It doesn't happen. To get it truthfully, it's it's like when you say you love your wife, but you cheat on her with someone else. That's what living by the Spirit and trying to walk by the flesh is. They're not compatible. If the Spirit has made us alive, if we have new life in Christ, if we are a new creation, why then would we want to Walk in the flesh. Paul says it's absurd. So what's it look like? I want to close with this because I'm. lots of time has been taken. Really quick, eight things. If you can do eight things really quick. Eight things, this is what it looks like with other people. If the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our life, if God is working in our life, if he is changing our life, This is what Paul says is going to happen. This is what it is going to look like with other people. Verse 1 of chapter 6, There will be restoration. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. If anyone is caught in transgressions, restore him. Our natural instinct is to kick people out. Our natural instinct is to push people away. People that aren't like us. People who don't do things like we want them to do. We want to push them away. We want to kick them out. Paul says if the Spirit is at work in your heart, there will be restoration. Secondly, there will be a bearing of burdens. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to love your neighbor as yourself. He gives that command in the context of the Good Samaritan parable. And that Samaritan picks up that man And carries him where he could not go on his own. We are to bear one another's burdens. None of you who are here should ever think about yourself as being alone. If you think there is no one who will help you bear your burdens, come talk to me. And if I can't do it, I'll go make somebody do it. Like David Gregg. He would do it gladly. We bear one another's burdens because we aren't in this alone. We can't do this alone. We aren't supposed to be by ourselves. People out there in the world, they are by themselves. They got nobody. They can't even know what love is. But in here, we're a family. A family who carries each other. Not who pushes people out. Third, there will be self-evaluation it's very interesting. There seems to be a contrast here. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens. Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. It, it looks like Paul contradicts himself, but, it, but he doesn't. Because what he's talking about here, when he says in verse 4, but it, let each one test his own work, he is talking about the day that is to come. Here together we bear one another's burdens, but one day we will stand before God and we give an account for what we have done. And so... Part of being led by the Spirit is to evaluate our hearts. Sometimes we have to stop and and talk to ourselves and say, you're not doing what God has called you to do. You're not doing what God has equipped you to do. Sometimes you have to give yourself that swift kick to get yourself moving. If we go through life always thinking that we are great and never looking at our hearts and judging our own heart, Listen, one day God is going to do it. And Paul says it's, it's better to go ahead and do it now. Go ahead and examine our hearts now. Go ahead and remove those things out of our life now that need to be removed. Because trust me, when we evaluate our hearts, when we see the sin in our own life, man, it opens up a much bigger hole for the Spirit to be working. It moves us and pushes us verse 6 he is a good steward or the person led by the spirit is a good steward of resources for ministry he says let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches this is a self-serving point it's basically about supporting your staff supporting your ministers not just the preacher but supporting the one who teaches you in Sunday school The one who teaches your children in children's church or in kid, The one who is investing in you. He says, invest in them. Invest in them so that they can invest back in you. It's very strange. It's just stuck here. I don't know what the problem was in Galatia. I don't know what they were dealing with, but Paul sticks it in. He says, that's what's happening. We will be good stewards of resources for ministry. Next, he sows to the Spirit, seven and eight. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We, if we are led by the Spirit, will put things into our life that are spirit filled. If we put constant garbage into our minds, that's all we're going to get out. If everything we read and watch is trash, then we should expect no different. But if we sow things of the Spirit into our heart, that's what's going to come back. I preach a lot better when I'm reading my Bible. I preach a lot better when I'm listening to sermons. You'll be a lot better off when you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, when you're listening to preaching, when you're picking up spirit-filled books and reading them, because then you're sowing those things into your heart. We know what we've seen on TV or reading books we can't undo. You can't take them back out. But we want to be sowing good things into our lives. Three more. Do good. Verses 9-10. through That's pretty self-explanatory. Don't grow weary from doing good. It's hard to get burned out when we're seeing God working in our lives. It's real easy when we're not doing the good things. It's real easy to get burned out when we're not doing things that don't matter. But he says, do not grow weary of doing good. Two more. Verse 14. He says, boast... In Christ. He says, Before be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. He says, The cross, because the cross has made a way for the Spirit of God to dwell in my life, it has put to death the things of this world, and it has put me to death to the world. He says, so the only thing I will boast in is Christ. You and I, in and of ourselves, have nothing to boast about. But in Christ we have all things. And then verse 15, he says, will be a new creation. He says, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The Spirit will evidence in our life that we... Are new we're not the same it's really hard for you to to minister in this world to be a witness in this world and to be a light in this world if your life is the same if it's exactly the same as it was before Christ if it's exactly the same is the world around you. It will... It just won't be worth anything. It'll have no value. And that's how we live with each other. You can't fake the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't work that way. You you just can't fake being a Christian. You, You can't fake having God's Word in your heart. You can't fake... What God has done. You might might succeed out in the world. But spend a few minutes with believers. They will sniff you out in a heartbeat. They'll know by the way you talk. They'll know by the way you conduct yourself. They'll know by what is going on in your heart. It'll be clear. Because it, it can't be fake. So, as we get ready for revival next weekend, what we need is the Spirit of God to be working in our lives. That's what revival is. That's what an awakening is. The Spirit of God working in our life. His fruit being evident in our hearts. Now, some of you here this morning, you don't know Christ, you don't know what that means. You, this has all seemed... And it doesn't make a lot of sense That is because you don't know Jesus And that means that You desperately need him That means that you don't have The capacity to love That God gives It means that you don't have The leading of the spirit you may look at that list of the flesh And go well see I'm I'm not a drunk I don't engage in sexual immorality. You might say, I'm a pretty good person, and God says, it's not good enough. Because it's not just that you don't do this list, but it's that God is, is working the fruit out in your life. If you're here this morning, and you're, maybe this is the first time you've ever been here, uh, maybe you come all the time, but you, you, just, you know that you don't know Christ. Christ has went to the cross so that you can have this life. Life that never ends. Life that never fades. Life that doesn't... Life that isn't corrupted by the things of this world. Life that doesn't have to deal with facing life-ending cancer. I'm not saying that in this world we we don't get cancer. I'm saying that cancer is not our final destruction. We don't have to face the death that comes being separated from God. Why? Because He has given us life. We face each day not worried about what is to come because that's been taken care of, but worried about what God has called us to do. Maybe you're here this morning and that's you. Maybe you're here and you just, you don't know Him. I would love to tell you this morning more about how you can know Christ. The Christ that in my life fights daily against my flesh because I can't do it on, the, on my own. The God who fights for me, who stands up to my desires and fights them back because I, I can't do that on my own. The rest of you here this morning and you know Christ, but if we're honest with ourselves, we need an awakening. Like it's easy to get into the rut it's easy to get into the flow and become numb to everyone around us to everything around us this morning would it not be an appropriate time to begin crying out god would you move this weekend as all of these guys come and they come to boldly proclaim God's word to us, our hearts must be ready. Our hearts must be open. We must be ready for God to move us. Because the unfortunate thing is that we don't always know when we have become numb to what is going on. We we forget what God has told us will be evident when His Spirit is at work. Maybe this morning, maybe we, we cry out to Him. Maybe we cry out to Him as a family and say, God, strengthen us. God, we want to go further than You've ever taken us before. God, we want to do greater things in Your name than we have ever seen before. God, we want you to move. Maybe that's us this morning. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we are. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that we have we have life. God, you have given us life. You have given us the direction of your spirit, the guidance of your presence. Lord God, what we need. God, we need a fresh awakening. God, it it takes but a moment for us to stand still. It takes but a moment for us to grow numb, to grow weary of doing good, to become complacent, to, God, dwell on ourselves and our needs as opposed to looking, God, at whose burden we might bear, uh, whose cross we might help carry. God, we become numb to those outside of us who each and every day pass from this life to the next, and God, they do so with no hope. God, awaken us today. Awaken us to the fruit that your Spirit brings in our life. That you call us to love. God, you call us to love our neighbor. You call us to, God, love those who you place in our life who who we simply can't stand. But God, you call us to love them. Lord God, I pray that you are with us during this time. That we cry out, that you awaken our hearts to the direction you're calling us. You awaken our hearts to the needs that we have. God, you awaken our hearts to the needs of those around us. And God, to a world that needs the gospel. God, proclaim in our hearts this morning what your will is, and God, what part of it we are. And God, we ask these things this morning in Christ's name. Amen. If you'll stand with me, we're going to sing. And I pray that you would respond. If God is calling you this morning, if you don't know him, please, please listen. Follow his voice. And friends, this morning, we need awakening. We need revival. Would you cry out to God as we sing?